1: Welcome listeners. You are tuning into the Yoga Voice podcast. Dave Sims here as your host. And today I have a really fun conversation with a young lady named Hannah Klingen. And she took over some management responsibilities here at City Yoga back in 2021. And she's our community manager and she does a lot of things with events and community involvement and communication. And she just was a delight to speak with and get to know her better and learn about her background. Um, she grew up in Indiana and when she was at university, she studied kinesthesi- uh, kinesthesiology and psychology over here at DePaul University. And that set her off to explore career options. After she got out of college, she was. Had this just fun variety of, of jobs and uh, career paths, if you will. She's worked as an environmental scientist. She's been an urban farmer. She's been an NFL cheerleader. She's been a real estate broker and, and some more fun career facts that we we'll get into in the conversation. But just uh, she's an explorer and recently becoming a yoga teacher after, you know, many years, a decade of teaching things like, like Zumba and, uh, cardio kickbox, turbo kickbox, aqua aerobics. Um, she's just had a background in dance that has evolved in the the teaching movement and she's taught all around at YMCA and Butler at HRC, um, at Butler university. So she's just had a really wide variety of experience. And now that she's found teaching yoga and it seems as though like all the paths she's been on has led her to that journey of becoming a yoga teacher and the rich experience she can share and embrace from teaching yoga has been, you know, it's been a joy to see at the studio and you can just hear it in her heart. It's like what she loves to do. So we used explored a lot of topics, some of her travels around India and the US and and she's just had a, a very rich life um, and she's just getting started. So without too much more jabbering from me, I'm going to get you right into it. So welcome Hannah and enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Hannah, to the Yoga Voice. So glad you could come and be with us here today.
0: Thank you, Dave. I am so happy to finally be here.
1: Awesome. How's your day going?
0: You know, pretty great. So far, I had a nice, hot vinyasa class this morning. A little birthday party crew showed up. So, Ooh. shout out to Sarah and Raquel and the girls. Uh, and then, yeah, Kindi came through to take her new teacher photos with her kids and It was really sweet seeing Gray just run around the studio as Carol's trying to practice. (laughs) Nice. That's fun.
1: That's fun. Yeah. And Carol's so good-natured about kids and disruptions (laughs) and all that. So very cool. Yeah. Well, so you've listened to the podcast. Yeah. And I do kind of like to start out with letting you just kind of tell us about your yoga journey and life and how you came to find this practice and where you're at today. So you can go as deep as you want, as long as you want, short as you want, but it's up to you. So where do we begin?
0: I would say that my journey with yoga began, before I knew what yoga was. So as a young child, just moving in my body, I made a, a connection really early understanding that I felt better on those days I was moving, whether I was practicing or just playing and running about, um, as opposed to the days that I, I just sat still. Um, but my actual connection to yoga began when I plucked a uh, a.m. and p.m. yoga video off of some store shelf um i think it was rodney Yee. oh nice yeah <laughs> yeah so i would practice with that dvd at home sometimes in the evenings i think at the time i thought this is going to help my flexibility for dance mm-hmm. um, but i noticed add this kind of soothing and calming effect Uh, And I, later in college, I was studying psychology and kinesiology at the time, Uh, so really involved already in a movement practice teaching fitness on campus at DePauw, and we had a really, really beautiful meditation um, facility at DePauw. It was in this beautiful nature park next to the Prindle Institute for Ethics, and it just overlooked the woods. So I remember beginning my physical practice with my first teacher, who was also the director of fitness. So I had a connection to her otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really my first physical experience with the practice. Um, I think that that went further, my, my curiosity deepened when I traveled to India during the summer of 2011, okay, and it was actually with a Christian sports ministry called Athletes in Action, but that exposure to a completely different culture and a completely different, what felt like a completely different world, kind of opened my eyes to these other practices, and whether that was the Muslim religion or Hinduism, I was I was connected to these people living a very different life, and it really kind of broke open this curiosity mm-hmm. and just wanting to know more. Um, so, when I moved to Indy, I started practicing fairly regularly, maybe once a week or two. I started at the Indy Yoga Studio mm-hmm. up in Broad Ripple, and I really really loved it. Um and I continued that practice, you know, and I continued to teach just regular fitness classes, whether they were dance or boot camp or cardio kickboxing, uh, on the side and I knew I always knew through my twenties, like I wanted to be a yoga teacher one day. Um but the extra financial the finances weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't know when I would really have that time and space. Um, so, fast forward to 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and the great pause, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, it opened up space for me and my schedule, and I stumbled upon a virtual yoga teacher training offering. Uh, that I enrolled in for my 200 hours and I was able to do it very cost-effectively and um, From the comfort of my own home while everything was closed down mm-hmm. and That safe space that the container that was created by our facilitators and just learning about the philosophy of yoga learning about some skaras and these ripples in our minds and how we still the mind and uh, thinking about yoga as a manual for you know healthy a healthy mind and a healthy body and a healthy spirit it just felt really really aligned for me and it kind of helped me integrate all of this knowledge that i'd i'd collected from my studies of psychology and nutrition and movement and uh it was deeply healing and I am so happy to now finally be in a position as a teacher here at City Yoga. Yeah, I really landed in what feels like a very aligned community for me based on my values, and uh, now I get to share that practice with my students every day.
1: Nice, yeah. <laughs> well, and you were teaching other things before, You, what, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I started teaching in 2009. I started teaching my very first fitness class with Zumba, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a fun word and a fun class. So I've been dancing since I was four. And I remember when Jeannie, my, my yoga teacher, my very first yoga teacher asked me if I'd be interested in offering that to our student body. Uh, and I thought, heck yeah, I, I love it. Uh, I love to share my love of dance as well. Um, and that kind of evolved into me teaching a cardio kickboxing class called Turbo Kick. And I later on after college, I worked at the Y for a while. So I ended up teaching aqua aerobics and boot camp. And um, I even taught a muscular strength and range of motion um, silver sneakers class. So oh, I had awesome. a really cool group of of older students that I really enjoyed. Um, and then I went on just and continued to teach fitness just as my part-time gig mm-hmm. I just continued to teach it on the side I taught at Butler University for a few years at their HRC they have a super sweet uh, group fitness room that overlooks the woods mm-hmm. behind it so loved teaching in that space and being able to, to meet the students there that was right after college as well so I could really connect with that group of people uh-huh. um, and it was actually during <clears throat> the shutdown during the pandemic, when I was reevaluating kind of where I was going in my career, I knew that I really wanted to work in health and fitness. And I wanted that to be full time. And I'd already determined that prior. Um, But I just, I knew that it was more important than ever, as people are really, really struggling with Mm -hmm. their mental health through this time. Um, And I feel like this is such a an approachable medium to meet people wherever they are Mm -hmm. um, through fitness, through health, through yoga.
1: Yeah. And now what, what all are you teaching here? Remind me your schedule. My schedule.
0: (laughs) I teach a Monday evening warm flow, uh, 6 PM Monday nights. And I teach a 10 a.m. slow flow Fridays mm-hmm. and then Saturdays which is today we're recording I teach a hot vinyasa class at 11 so I my style is definitely very fluid um, and probably influenced by my dance background and so I really love teaching vinyasa and taking my students on a journey uh, and really easing in and helping them become fully embodied and present and help them feel good in their bodies. Um, and then, in you know, related to that, they begin to feel better in their minds as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and that it's interesting. A lot of yoga teachers have come with a dance background mm-hmm. or some type of movement that I think just brings you more in touch with the. The value of movement Mm -hmm. physical movement but also the energetics and understanding of the body Mm -hmm. does that feel true absolutely Yeah.
0: yeah like the kinesthetics the proprioception the ability to understand how our body is moving through space and how to engage different muscles at different times Um, and connecting that to the breath, I think it's all so, so relevant. And it's again something I've been practicing since I was young. So it's very intuitive for me Mm -hmm. at this point. And one of the challenges I think as a teacher is putting myself in the shoes of someone that is brand new and really under, and this is something I, I make an effort to do is to really understand from the beginner's eyes when you are just beginning to build that mechanism and build, um, that, that skill. Um, and I think I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. I think, uh, in my ability to relate and, um, and work with those people that are only just beginning their journey. Um, and I know how far it's brought me. So, um, yeah, it's a good to share with others. Yeah.
1: And when we circle back a little bit to your trip to india what, what part of india were you how long were you there were it, what cities kind yeah. of where was it southern india it was, or okay it
0: was southwest india we traveled to three major cities uh we began you know actually the the timeline's fuzzy now but i know we spent a bulk of our time in kerala okay. uh, because we actually are the the leader of our trip his family was from kerala and then we also sp- spent some time in Mumbai and Kwambator. Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing them perfectly. Uh, there was different different accents in different areas. Um, and everywhere we went, I was working with young people. We were coaching sports camps, uh, coaching volleyball, soccer, basketball. Uh, and I think the most memorable and uh, impactful week for me, we were there maybe about five four or five weeks, so a pretty extended stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that last... The last location, we actually set up on a Muslim campus, and I was helping to coach a volleyball team of all women. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely the most impactful and expanding experience, really getting to build relationships with those young women and learning about their culture and their experiences in life. Uh, We just we're from two completely different worlds but i still i still keep in touch with even just one of those women Mm -hmm. um so that was just just a really expansive like mind expanding experience
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, well i think just picking up on new you know different Mm -hmm. world views is so so helpful for, for all of us yeah and that uh fun fact so Quimbatore is where Saguru, one of my teachers, is, ashram is there. Really? And it's not too far from Mysore. I mean, that's
0: yeah, a lot of yoga there's in a, that
1: southwestern mm-hmm. part of India. And uh, and it's so uh, much a part of the culture there.
0: hmm Yes.
1: When there's, I'm sure you came across a few festivals. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... Uh, and I, every now and then, will live stream something that Saguru is, you know, it's a Mahashivarathari, or, you know, some, like, major festivals happening, and there will literally be 100,000 people at the ashram. Wow, <laughs> You know, amazing. I mean, they just, there's, it's just, uh, you know, and that's happening all over India, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. one spot, one time, so... Yeah, yeah, that's, Oh, well, I'm so glad you made that, that journey. Me too, me too. And um, I think about your roots in central Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, like kind of growing up in the small community and um, how that shaped who you are today?
0: Absolutely. I uh, Yes, I grew up in west central Indiana in a small town called Covington. It is on the banks of the Wabash River, yeah. <laughs> and uh, about 25 to 2600 people. Uh, and both of my granddads were farmers, mm-hmm. and I like to go back to my grandparents because I think it's really important to recognize our ancestral roots. Um, and they actually grew up on farms, only you know maybe a couple miles from each other. It wasn't far. Um, and both grew up in the Depression era. Both were drafted into World War II, um, but they ended up living very different lives, and my grandfather, Conrad, he ended up staying on the farm and kind of building up his own empire, uh, doing, you know, raising, you know, pasture-raised cattle, and he had a stable of horses, and he grew hay, he grew feed, always organic. He never started adding chemicals to his his land. Um, and then he also had a mining business, uh, a gravel pit, and they built bridges, they did excavating. He just built his own kind of farming empire and raised a family with my grandma. Uh, so very resourceful and just hardworking people. Um, and then my Paternal grandfather Lee. He ended up going into World War II, and he rose to the rank of lieutenant. He ended up training troops out west before being uh, sent abroad, and he bought, he fought in a couple of battles, um, was captured, and um, taken as a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. And he survived the Poland death march and was eventually liberated by Patton and his army. Um, Thankfully Patton's, I guess, son-in-law was in the same camp, so he had the motive to make sure those men were set free. Oh, wow. And um, I share this because it's such a significant story in my family's history, um, but Grandpa ended up coming back, and he never went back to the farm. He uh, ended up building a business for himself as an auctioneer. Uh. Uh, a real estate agent, an insurance man, and uh, an appraiser eventually, um, and then he went on to serve the state of Indiana as a state senator and representative for a combined 24 years. Um, so, my grand, my my own father actually took over my grandpa's business. So my grand, my father now is still a very hardworking auctioneer real estate agent appraiser you know a jack of many trades Uh Um, but I share that part of my story because it really instilled in me this sense of community like the importance of serving your community especially if you're in a position of privilege that's really what my grandpa imparted on me and I think his um his experience, this small town farm boy, getting to travel the world and meet people and um, academics from cities all over the country, and um, really build himself up in a different, in a different way, um, was really empowering. Um, so he's kind of given that gift to me, and that still drives me today. So I share that because, again, a couple of my. Internal values are really this reverent deep reverence for the land um, And this deep Desire to serve a community Mm -hmm. Um, But I did I did grow up in the little town of Covington with my parents. My dad worked full-time My mother raised my older sister and I and we were always very very involved very, looking back, very privileged. And I think that was because my dad worked so hard to provide mm-hmm. for his family. So we got every every extra opportunity that we could. Dance lessons, the tennis lessons. Um, you know, I had dabbled in violin, I think, for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually, I remember the day that I knew I was privileged. And I remember looking, I was probably in kindergarten or the first grade and I, I, there must've been another classmate that was just wearing the same outfit to school again. And my mom always made sure we were so like proper and primped before going to school. And I always resented it. Like, I was just like, why can't I just like wear what I want to (laughs) wear? And I thought, man, he looks comfortable. But, um. I realized that like I had these things that other kids didn't have Mm -hmm. and that I didn't deserve them. Like I didn't have, there was nothing about me that deserved to have these things more than any other student in that classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was awakened to this idea of privilege and um, kind of this understanding that I'd been given dealt a really, really good hand. Um, very, very early in that, that, that stream has kind of run through me my whole life in making sure that I, I look at other people as my brothers and sisters and, um, that I use what I've been given for the greater good.
1: Yeah. Well, in the time I've known you, I've seen like you living that where you're very community oriented and very much like, um, what can we do to help other people and uh, not in a, like codependent martyr kind of way, but in a a sincere like, yeah, you know, I have time and resource, whether it's energy or, you know, whatever that you can bring to the community and be able to, um, you know, observe what some needs are and listen to people who seem like, you know, that's part of your your makeup. Um, Well, and I think it's interesting too because I know I have the insider information on your background <laughs> that you hated to get primped and dressed up, <laughs> and then you know full disclosure you went on the beauty pageants and and like professional <laughs> cheerleading. Yeah. So how how did that morph from the little? <laughs> little Hannah going, oh, why did I have to wear this a clothes? The little rebel that <laughs> just wanted
0: to get dirty and roll in the dirt. Um, you know, I definitely had that uh, as, a, as a kid. Well, I think my mother was the be- original beauty queen. Like she looked like Shania Twain, I would say. Like she had the same red hair, brown eyes. Um, and she always had this knack for what is beautiful. And you could see that in the home and the way she curated the home. And also in the way that she wanted to dress my sister and I up. And for better or worse, there's definitely, you know, some challenges that come with that. Um, But I kind of was raised to, you know, be very polished and presentable. And that might be going back to even my my grandpa's time in politics. You know, you Mm -hmm. you want to look professional and refined. And um, so that was really instilled in me. Um, and I, I don't know what, what really drove me may have been again, uh, something with, uh, this idea of, I want to be a good leader for, for people and I want to be a good role model and I'm, you know, far from perfect. I've made plenty of mistakes, but my, that humility, uh, component and knowing that I, I have been given a gift of vision, it has always kind of driven me. Um, so yes, I did, I started, I competed in a little pageant, the little 4th of July pageants in our hometown when I was a kid. And it may have just been my uh, competitive nature that wanted to like succeed. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I later, I, I uh, went through our 4-H process with uh, the Fountain County 4-H Fair and I won the Miss Fountain County pageant. I was just 16 at the time, mm. but that's really what set me up to continue down that path And I went to the state fair where you compete with all these women from all over, (coughs) all over the state. And um, so I got to meet people from all over. And I thought, this is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Getting to meet other driven young women from all around. And I thought, this is powerful. This is like really powerful networking because we can really make change together if we learn Mm -hmm. how to communicate and work together. Um, so that set me on the path to go down the Miss Indiana USA and Miss Indiana route. And uh, I ended up coming in runner up for all three of the major the major competitions. Um, mm-hmm. Miss Indiana Teen USA, Miss Indiana USA, and Miss Indiana. Wow. So always a bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> I came close. But um, what I really enjoyed about the Miss America program was they were very community-oriented and academic-oriented, so everyone was required to have a service, like a community service platform, Mm -hmm. so not to anyone's surprise at this point, my platform was Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies, Mm -hmm. and my goal was really to get into Indiana schools and teach, what I'd learned about living a healthy lifestyle. Um, so that kind of ties back once again to what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that really helped me cultivate that skill, helped me cultivate my public speaking skills, interview and communication skills. Um, and then it later, it did connect me to these women that were, cheering and dancing professionally for the Indianapolis Colts and it was just actually in recent years I was approaching my 30th birthday when I decided to take that leap and (laughs) I thought if I'm ever gonna try it it's gotta be now and um, at the time I was actually back living at home and uh, I, I knew that this could be a really extraordinary experience. So I did audition, and I became an Indianapolis Colts cheerleader in 2019. I cheered through 2020, and the pandemic came. And um, after that, I put I put that dream on on pause, and I, I uh, retired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really extraordinary experience, and I'm still processing some of those lessons learned. And that sisterhood is again a really powerful force and uh yeah it's really fun it was really really great to connect to the indianapolis community in that way and that was definitely a big part of my motive was not just fulfilling this childhood dream but it was how can i really get connected to the indianapolis community and the colts kind of just bring everyone together Mm -hmm. you know we you know we um, we really love our, our professional sports here in the United States. <laughs> yes, that's yes, true. Yes, people treat it as a religion <laughs> sometimes in some ways, but I saw that as an opportunity to just connect to the community. I knew it would bridge a lot of gaps for me mm-hmm. um, to be able to meet people from different backgrounds and um, hopefully, again, like just be a light um, and help uh, bring people together.
1: Mm-hmm. So, how do you like? internally kind of reconcile being sort of in the spotlight, but I mean, I've been to your class and you don't have any, there's no sense that you're performing or you're on stage. You're just like, you know, like among friends, Mm -hmm. sharing a practice. How did that come about with, you know, having, you know, been in some higher profile, um, you know, arenas?
0: It's a great question. And I would take that back to my very early days public speaking. And I grew up watching my father and my grandfather behind the mic uh-huh. at sales, at auctions. and they were professional and they you know were focused, first of all, to get through any type of auction you've got to be. but they were real and they would interact with their community and the crowds that showed up and they'd tell jokes and they were at ease behind the mic. And what I learned really early on whenever I was doing any sort of public speaking was that the most important thing was that I had a conversation just like I'm sitting here with you today where I'm just talking to one one on one, you know, and if I can connect with my audience with this group of people in the same demeanor with the same type of attitude and kind of humility that you connect when you're just with one person, then I'm gonna really open up the ability to truly connect with multiple people at once. So something clicked in my mind very early mm-hmm. on, and I and I and I actually found that I was more comfortable on stage speaking to people than I was like in a room full of people, like at a so at a party, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I do think there's some ego work there uh-huh. for sure. And um, I, I will say when I started teaching, I did think about it. It is kind of like a performance. It is like you're getting into flow. Like you really want to give your students a great experience. Um, But then I had to learn how do I. But maybe one of the most important things I learned was that I need to fade into the background Mm -hmm. and facilitate my students' experience.
1: Yeah. And so
0: how could I? Where am I? Maybe pushing the gas a little too hard. Mm -hmm. Maybe am I being a little, you know, a little over the top? (laughs) You know, because I don't want to draw attention to myself, and I think. A big part of that process is helping my students get grounded and embodied in their own experience very early on mm-hmm. in the room and knowing that I am just a vehicle to help them facilitate this process for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've been able to, I think, navigate that fairly smoothly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and surprisingly, because, you know, I think about, I mean, that's in our. 200 hour we're like we really focus on like is this is not a performance mm-hmm. like and that like you said you're creating this container for this experience and and avoid a uh, drawing undue attention to yourself and that um, you know I think that's you know part of a um, sign of sort of like maturity in a teacher and, and that's why I, you know was talking about what you've taught before because mm-hmm. you've been teaching yeah group classes for a long time and that doesn't come overnight. I'm so sure you know and mm-hmm. and now you're doing the uh, advanced teacher training I, with yeah. Rolf Gates to ha- tell us about what what's going on there. Yeah,
0: I um, I did I did enroll in Rolf's 300-hour teacher training and we've got a great group. It's pretty small, but it's great and it's all online, which has been a special challenge, but I am just so enjoying Showing up or listening to these recordings and just constantly being poured into and I found that as I am poured into I have more to give my students. So enrolling in that program was such a good step for me uh, because it's constantly uh, nourishing my growth. And mm-hmm. as I grow, I can help the people around me grow. Uh, and so, a couple of the things that have really stuck out for me in Rolf's teachings, I'd say, that very first week, he he shared this wisdom of, um, you know, an unskilled mind leads to suffering, and a skilled mind leads to well-being. And yoga is a manual to a skilled mind. Uh And I I really loved that. That has had stayed with me. And um, also this just concept of finding the middle, finding finding the center and um, uh, finding a sense of ease in the effort. So he's talked about over efforting and I am definitely guilty of over efforting a lot in my life. There's been a lot of striving and that overachieving perfectionist nature, um, is something I've had to overcome and kind of break down on my own. Um, and I'm very aware of now. Uh, but, uh, that type of language has really helped me, I think, uh, understand that, you know, I don't have to strive and I don't have to force. I can just trust and find that sense of ease in the middle and, uh, Have faith that there are things beyond me that are working, you know, beyond my own perception and and everything's falling into place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think all the, your whole journey just is really giving you all the skills and, you know, things, um, what's the word? Sort of just, you know, personal dynamics to do like, the work you're doing here now, um, for our listeners who might not know, Hannah took over, you know, managing city yoga, doing the communications and staffing stuff and scheduling. It's a uh, Jill of all trades, <laughs> 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 uh, under the roof of the studio coming, you know, in a pandemic, <laughs> ah, and that, um, and just, you know, you've done a wonderful job connecting with the community and, um, very like welcoming people that know you and bring in this enthusiasm and energy to the community and it makes sense where where a lot of that comes from that um, it also um, begs the question of like as you're in the advanced training where where are your sites in the future for your yoga and what do you I mean you may not have a full answer for that yet but what what's your what do you what are you thinking? <laughs> you
0: know, that's a great question. I have many visions, um, but I think at this point in my journey, it's it's really being present in this advanced training to, in order to learn and integrate all the knowledge that I am, I am being given, um, and I understand that's and again in itself a privilege. And my real goal, I mean, ultimately, will be able to teach teachers but I don't know if that's going to be my thing I think it's just to be the best equipped teacher that I can be and so that I can reach people with this information that has really helped me and you know I, I really struggled uh, you know no, no one probably could tell looking from the outside but I've struggled with depression debilitating depression when I was a teen and into my 20s uh, really struggled with disordered eating for a while there um, and then anxiety some anxiety that's really taken hold and kind of it kind of revisited me in these last couple of years with everything going on um, and uh, I, I was watching a, t- a talk the other day and a psychiatrist kind of compared yoga to the original psychotherapy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I thought that was powerful and yeah. I understand that now so as someone that you know came out of school with a Bachelor's degree in psychology. That I really thought I would go on to become a mental health counselor. I thought I was called to be a counselor of sort. Um, but going back to school, like a traditional university setting, was not attractive to me. <laughs> so this has really been kind of that alternative route where I can marry the the movement with the, the mind, the mental health, and really just try to reach people. So. What I really see is I, I want to use my my gift of vision to help kind of build city back up and going forward into the future as a community because that's really important to me. Um, I want to continue to cultivate and curate uh, my skills as a yoga teacher, which I'm still fairly new in the yoga scene, so I'm still I feel building up confidence and you know figuring out what is my style and figuring out and kind of building up uh, a repertoire of, uh, Material that I can I can can maneuver and I can pull from in order to curate Classes that are really meaningful and impactful and then I'm also really drawn to work mostly probably with women more one-on-one and mm-hmm. doing some coaching and um, You know integrating the things I've learned from yoga and fitness and personal training um, with kind of this journey of healing and alignment on more of a a personal basis or maybe a small group basis, I definitely feel called to that. And uh, the skills I'm learning in this 300-hour training, there's, you know, to come, I know there's going to be more of that workshop facilitation. Uh And, you know, I've learned a lot just being able to witness you, Dave. But, um, you know, I'm excited about that too because I feel like it's going to prepare me to just take my, my teachings to that next level. And I do feel because I have had this this story that's taken me into a lot of different circles of people and on on this beautiful winding path (laughs) (laughs) um that i can reach different people and um i really want to help be a bridge um to bring different communities together at a time when it's really
1: important yeah yeah well and i like see you on that trajectory so that's super cool to watch and and that uh well a couple of questions kind of floating around in my head but, but one is so what has well one it's interesting that you were going through these beauty pageant yeah. <laughs> rigor mm-hmm. with all these personal struggles mm-hmm. and and you came out you know like um, uh, not unscathed but it, see it would appear you came out a stronger person because of yes. it um What has been some of the bigger challenges in your life? Mm,
0: I would say that outside of like my own personal challenges or maybe what's even brought me there is I have experienced a lot of, um, I think it's like grief, but it's like compassion grief. Like, um, I can't say I've ever lost a loved one that was an immediate family or super close to me. I've been blessed to this point. But my family as a whole has seen a lot of trauma and a lot of traumatic grief um, throughout um, my developmental years and my 20s. Um, And I think that, you know, what may have started as just, you know, a subtle pattern and a familial pattern of, Um, you know, a disordered relationship with food or, um, kind of this learned helplessness, this depression, like that kind of took root in my youth, um, was probably exacerbated by some, some serious challenges, some serious trauma and and seeing the people that I love most suffer, um, really took a toll, took Mm -hmm. a toll on me. I I mean, I would take on that grief like it was my own. Mm -hmm. And, um, in, in any time you're in a grief cycle, you'll go through that deep depression. So I remember in my early twenties, kind of getting stuck in what felt like an unending cycle of grief, and it ended up, I think, wrecking my nervous system to the point where I just felt like I was stuck there. And I think that what I found, what I, what kind of drove me in my, in my path toward pageantry, was I found that I, I functioned better when I had a routine. When I had kind of a regimen I was following, so I was eating clean, I was exercising every day, sometimes overdoing it certainly, but I was moving my body every day. I had this goal that I was working toward and I found that that kind of helped pull me out of the pit Mm -hmm. when I arrived there. Um, and I think that you know that even reflected the year I auditioned for the Colts. I mean, that was at a time in my life where I was truly really, you know I'd been pretty really heartbroken, and and I was that was probably my rock bottom. But I was like, I'm gonna pick myself up by the bootstraps, <laughs> and I need another goal. I need a goal to like work toward, and I made it a big goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um, a big goal.
0: Yeah, and um, and getting on that regimen again, taking care of my body, it really helped me get back on my feet and find my kind of zest for life again mm-hmm. um, but a lot of it has been just chaos and confusion I think we're we've all of us have kind of come into the world and we're, we're living in really chaotic and confusing times and we're navigating a lot in a lot of different views and Um, I had a a really hard time kind of trying to integrate and figure out what do I believe and what does my faith look like? And what are we here for? Asking all those existential questions. Of course, yeah. Um, And um, so the 20s were just, uh, my (laughs) 20s were an interesting time. I've got lots of stories. I worked in a lot of different roles and um, just trying to find fulfillment in my work, I think was a real challenge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, My first job out of college, I actually worked as an environmental scientist. Nice. Yeah, I was helping manage manage, uh, the downstream side of uh, a pipeline. I worked for a major oil and gas company that was my first client. And I jumped into that role thinking, oh, I'm gonna learn all about the environment and learn how to save it. I did learn quite a bit and gained a lot of new business skills. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, and that actually took me into another position with the Heritage Group here in Indy, um, where it evolved into implementing sustainability programs for major manufacturing companies. Um, and that was a little juicier for me. Yeah. You know, that felt like, oh, okay, now I really can, really can help, help save the environment. Um, and it was a lot of travel. And I, I got to tour many, many different foundries and factories yeah. and warehouses through that year or so yeah. and um, learned a lot about businesses. And I mean, I worked with buyers and controllers and warehouse managers and um, learned a lot about how do we implement really effective whole system design systems um, to increase efficiency and reduce waste and that actually really, that, that makes me like juiced up thinking about it. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I felt like I was running myself ragged, traveling, you know, lot, a lot of my time was in New England during that time in my life. But still, I traveled to Amarillo, Texas for the first time and, um, you know, up to Wisconsin at one point. I was all over the place. Um, and I just felt like, you know, I want to do this work locally. I want to be grounded. I don't want to be flying around every other week. Um so I eventually did ground myself and I uh after leaving the corporate world, I um spent some time kind of exploring local work. I worked uh, I jumped right in to landscaping for my friend's uh, organic landscaping business. Oh wow. I, I worked there <laughs> worked for them for a year and they were like building um, raised bed gardens and um, doing like prairie installations, working a lot with native plants to help build up um, mm-hmm. the pollinator population. So I really embraced that time. I loved, I found that I loved working in my body, like physically. Those were some of the best, the sweetest days. Um, I loved doing manual labor, uh, it turns out. Um, and I also started a uh, selling bags for um, people for urban progress. I was a sales representative for them. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're taking old waste products, for example, the RCA dome fabric. Yeah. And they're creating locally, they're they're creating bags and other items to sell. And well,
1: yeah, I've seen the like wallets and, yeah, and all kinds of stuff. Wallets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're,
0: their most recent project was with Amtrak. So they took a bunch of Amtrak... Um, like the, the uh, leather from their seats uh-huh. and they turned it into a whole line of bags so if you've got extra disposable income, go <laughs> go support a really cool local nonprofit, because I think that's some really cool and important work that we learn how to use our waste more effectively and efficiently mm-hmm. um, and let's see, that year I also, I drove it was the year that Market Wagon I think opened Um, They're a local online farmer's market, so a grocery delivery company. Locally born and raised, Um, along with green bean delivery, they're doing very similar things. So um, I drove for Market Wagon once a week (laughs) and when when they were first starting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the sense, like, I got to go. And I'd see, like, the local farmers and artisans and my friend Haley from Native Bread. I remember, like, they'd bring in their items and help, like, fill these bags. And then we'd take them and take them to the, the customer's. Um, and it was just really cool seeing that get started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big fan, big fan of that, that type of organization. It's your,
1: your small town farming community roots. It is, coming it out. is. <laughs> and, I, and I
0: found them in the city and I was like, yes, I can get behind this. Yeah. Um, so I really took a, after I left kind of the corporate world in my twenties, I did take a, a little hiatus and just trying to explore and figure out where can I really make a difference. And I tried to plug in with organizations that were aligned with what I felt were good ethics that were really taking care of people and taking care of the planet. Um, and I ended up apprenticing with growing places, indeed that next summer and, uh, growing places, uh, was started by Laura Henderson, another local yoga, yogi. long time
1: city yogi yes. student. Yeah. Oh, That's that. a, an amazing local teacher yes. as well. Yeah.
0: And I just adored the work that she was doing and, um, the organization she created. And it was, you know, primarily I think focused on, uh, building a connection to food in the city and helping de- to decrease like food deserts. So, um, a lot of urban farming, also she tied in that mental and physical health component so they did a really good job I spent that summer biking around working at the slow food garden at White River State Park and on the campus at Arsenal Tech where their main campus is farming and um, we do yoga together once a week and I will never forget the day that I met Nikki Myers oh yeah yeah she brought Nikki to one of our one of our meetings and I'm fine yeah yeah and i remember thinking she was just so present and spectacular and of course nikki you know founded and started city 20 years ago so it's kind of fun that that experience brought me to that initial connection with nikki and i kind of got to hear um what she was all about and be inspired by her story too so it's kind of fun how things come full circle
1: yeah isn't it, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. yeah well we uh I know, like in the connections we've had, just you know, with won't won't digress into all that. But it's 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 interesting. I met you with Monumental Yoga, Mm -hmm. and uh, you were there to volunteer, you know, (laughs) be involved in the community, and uh, which that ought to be poking its head on the horizon here um, very soon, very soon for. uh, Uh, Those that don't know, it's the largest yoga event in Indiana every June 21st, summer solstice, and it's on Monument Circle in downtown Indianapolis, hence the name Monumental Yoga. So anyway, it's a it's a amazing community event, and are you committed to be involved again? Oh
0: yeah, I'll be back in some <laughs> capacity. I'm sure my role will morph in some way, but I'll uh, be looking forward to it.
1: All right, well, so we, we got you on public. Uh, <laughs> in <a minute. laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um, so well, and yeah, I love your um, this like passion around community. I mean, because I think that's why you fit in so well at City Yoga. And speaking of, you know, Nikki and her roots on wanting to create this urban yoga studio at a time when there weren't hardly any. And, um, you know, to be 20 years, you know, in the making now. And um, there's no other studio that's been around that long. And any ones that were prior to city yoga are no longer around. And uh, there's, the pandemic's taken its toll and it's also opened up the market for new new places and whatnot but um, you know I think something you touched on really about uh, supporting local and nonprofits and um, finding that connection with the earth and the urban environment is it was really good for us to to remember and to remind each other about because that's you know what it, when it comes down to it some of the things we're um, focusing on in 2022 is uh, we were talking about doing um uh, showing documentaries and doing community coll- you know, collaboration and conversation. Um, and a lot of that, I, I believe cause you have influence on <laughs> the schedule <laughs> yes. is gonna, is gonna evolve. It's going to yes. revolve around environment and food and mm-hmm. health and, you know, healthy lifestyle and, um, and being able to make things accessible um, to the masses, yeah. and and um, particularly you know folks that are in, in the greatest need, mm-hmm. and um, on um, I guess the other thing I was that popped into my mind I was thinking about your like your own comfort level with one-on-one sort of health and wellness. Um, I don't know if coaching is the right word because that seems too sort of pedestrian for what you're doing. But mm-hmm. um, do you want to talk a little bit about your what you try to do working with people one-on-one? And mm-hmm. if there's a label, for, if it's not a label, but yeah. if it it's, sounds like it's an organic thing.
0: It is very organic. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it's something you're really drawn to. It so say is. a little about how that
0: I will. And how that works, yeah. I will, and it's definitely something I want to do both on the individual level and the community level. So it does kind of weave in to just helping my my friends, my my loved ones. I'll, I start with them, and then the it kind of branches out from there. Um, just helping them align, align their their thoughts and their behaviors with this vision, the greater vision that they have for their life. And it always begins with how do you want to feel in your body and to see people that, you know, if, you know, if they're like me, which I think there's a lot of people out there who've struggled with anxiety, depression, disordered eating, any type of, um, you know, just imbalance of the mind and body. Um, you know, how do you really want to feel? Um, and kind of how can we choreograph, your days around those habits, building those habits and this lifestyle that will support that, and doing it in a way that's very simple. It's really getting down to the foundational roots of whole nutrition daily movement, breath work, really learning how to ground and center yourself in those times that you're triggered or you're, you know, feeling flustered or or fearful. So a lot of it does incorporate yogic tools. Um, A lot of it, actually one of my favorite parts of it is setting your environment up for success. You know, what do you surround yourself with? And I was talking to Daryl, our ayurvedic practitioner that's going to be offering some classes for us soon and he he shared with me that there's actually a practice in ayurveda called vashtu and it's like indian feng shui and so i've always enjoyed the psychology of design and how we kind of manufacture our environment and how that pulls different things out of us. So, you know, with our vision board workshop, for example, I think that's a beautiful example of how you kind of set that vision out before you. And then you align your actions with that vision. Um, so it's really helping to break down, helping my people break down the barriers that they've either built up themselves over time, but a lot of it's these patterns that are kind of passed on to us from our family. In our environment, in our ancestors, even. So, just helping to bring them to a level of awareness where they understand these mechanisms. And once you understand them, you are really able to give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You're able to truly look at yourself and be like, wow, like I was, this is, I, you can actually see what's led you to the point where you, you are and you can better see the way forward and whether that's built you want to build more strength and stamina and power and really lean into your personal power or you're trying to lighten the load and and you're trying to really take this weight off because you've been carrying around these burdens this maybe unforgiveness for yourself so it's really just facilitating a very organic process of self-discovery and then being that friend, that accountability buddy, that coach that can cheer you on, that's there to check in along the way, that can help you identify roadblocks and just hold a safe space for you um, that's unconditional, that's non-judgmental, um, because <laughs> we are only human. Um, but ultimately, my goal is to help individuals and families and communities learn how to live in rhythm with the natural cycles. And, um, that's why I'm really drawn to yoga and Ayurveda because that's where their roots are. Um, and really align with the highest expression of their lives, um, align with whatever that looks like for them. Um, and with that, I really, really believe we will see, um, big we can see a big change in our our community and in communities as a whole because as each individual learns how to make better choices not only for their own health but we're making these choices for the health of our family and our community and by that i mean we are sourcing locally we are buying buying food or growing our own because that is not only what's best for our health that is what's best for the environment's health that's what's best for our local community and to just really help um all this whole community harness that, embrace that value, um, can h- really help. I think shift things overall.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I wrote that down. Uh, organic process of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. I think, like in a nutshell, that beautifully describes that. Yeah. I like that process, mm-hmm. and that's why I like didn't want to use common. Yeah. Help, you know? Yeah. Nothing wrong with personal trainers and mm-hmm. health coaches, but, but yeah, I, I thought what you do that. is much more in depth than uh, yeah. some of the standard niche mm-hmm. things that are out there. But yeah, it is yeah. very
0: deep. We yeah. definitely dive deep, so I'm definitely looking to work with people that are willing to take that dive yeah. and do that inner work. And um, now's the time.
1: Well, mm-hmm. now I mean we're all globally experiencing anxiety, which yeah. is really a infa- nice word for fear. then mm-hmm. yes. And um, w- different levels of trauma mm-hmm, yes. and grief. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think your your background, you know, with um, personal successes and struggles, have molded you and your education, psychology. I mean, this is it, all kind of shaped you to to really show up now in a big way, mm-hmm. and. And that's part of our, you know, obviously our work here is, is getting our resources channeled to support the community through mm-hmm. City Yoga and and out beyond our four walls here as well. But, um, yeah, I just see you being an amazing part of that journey. Uh, that's super exciting. Um, what else? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, the... Uh, mm, what about you mentioned briefly a little bit about the upcoming trainings around workshops and that kind of development? Mm-hmm. Do you do you have any inkling of what kind of programming you want to try to create? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I I don't. It's not clear for me yet, mm-hmm. but I know. I think that for at this point, I really want to channel that energy into like our community movie nights. Okay, because I do feel like I, I it's a the perfect platform to kind of. Uh, bring in like all of my education and experience with, um, you know, the environmental work, holistic health um, and, and really teach people how it's all connected. Um, so I kind of want to focus on helping to curate a really, really stellar program that we can come together, um, you know, during as a community and, and kind of learn and grow together. Um, so I want to focus there, but I do I am actually working on building a program, and I've enlisted the help of some special friends, um, and uh, it will be eventually a, a book or a workbook of some sort, um, as well as um, an online offering. And I think that would be something really lovely to be able to offer, like group workshops. To mm-hmm. work, you know, I, I think um, it's one thing to work individually, but it's even more powerful when you're open to engaging with a group that's doing the same work. Yeah. Because there's such power in community in like in looking at, you know, your sister next to you that's maybe from a completely different background, but she's actually struggling with really, really similar things. And seeing yourself reflected in someone else um, and you give grace so willingly to others. So I think it can be really powerful to to listen, how you speak to another and, and learn how to speak to yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to encourage each other and hype each other up and, um, be there, you know, uh, um, to help correct each other. Um, and that's something I think we've really, we've really, uh, fallen away from in our culture is like this idea of a true accountability and loving correction and loving feedback. Um, you know, I want, I want people to, if they identify something in me that they see my blind spot and I'm going astray, like, please lovingly correct me. Um, because I could have really used some of that guidance in the past and I learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, which is all good. I can now extend that to others better, maybe, but, um, I, I think uh, a lot of good, honest conversations are ahead of us and yeah, this, uh, the pandemic's really broken things down. Um, so we can get real as a culture, mm-hmm. as a society and really talk about like our behavior patterns our our consumer behavior is a really big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, like how we are spending our money. I think about, our dollar, every dollar we spend is kind of like a vote. You know, you are, you are supporting this organization. So are you going to support that big box organization that's feeding their CEO or are you going to support local? And I really, really believe that the more we shift every dollar that we can to our local community, local producers, local manufacturers, local artists, um, we are going to see our community thrive. We're going to see our planet thrive. Um, so we really just have to make a really big shift. And I'm here to help people understand how uh-huh. it's all connected and kind of help build them build a life that's more aligned with that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I look forward to, like, the movie nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so this podcast will drop early February. Mm-hmm. And uh, just note to our listeners out there, the first movie night will be... The last Saturday in February. So, it, format as it evolves is initially a documentary, a subject matter, a subject matter expert Q&A chat, um, community conversation. We'll be providing food and beverages, and it's a free event uh, sponsored by the Heartland Mindfulness Collective. And and City Yoga in partnership. So we're opening up the space. They're offering support. And it's a really is, like Hannah said, like bringing community together. And I think she's the perfect one to kind of be the the uh, head cheer- head cheerleader for that <laughs> yeah, event. So a good, no pun intended, <laughs> but uh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's as we, you know, come out of this past Two years of disruption and get more into um, coming together as a community and uh, healing together. I think it's yes, like a big, yes, a big yes. part of that. Um, yeah, I'm just excited, excited about doing that and having you have that part in it. So, as we sort of wrap up, what is there something you'd like to share or topic or experience mm. or anything we haven't really touched on?
0: You no, know, we've made it. We, there's Plenty of things we've covered. There's plenty more to cover, perhaps, in the future. Um, I think there's two things. Number one, I think you want me to share that I am, in fact, a fourth-generation auctioneer. <laughs> 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 that is my funnest fact. Um, <laughs> so, yes, my great-grandpa was an auctioneer, and I went to school, um, Reppert Auction School, uh, a few years ago, same auction school as my grandfather, Lee, um, and then, of course, that's my, my father's career even today. So I always like to, in, you know, share that. And it, it's kind of fun. People will, will ask me, ask to hear my chant, but uh, I'm pretty shy. So, oh, we're not going to get it? You know, not today. Uh, <laughs> you,
1: well, so we are just going to have to organize a... Uh, Silent auction uh, that, will, that will have some real realism to it, yeah, and, yeah. and once we get in, you know gathering people in person, <laughs> uh, you'll you'll be the celebrity that, that gets the mic <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we'll definitely, that's a that's a promise. We'll do, we'll yeah. get a, a live auction at there City Yoga go. sometime. One of these days, <laughs> I'm
0: here for it. Literally, I am here for it. Um, so that's kind of a fun a fun storyline I like to share. Um, other way otherwise. I think that the last thing I want to kind of share is kind of my closing blessing that I end every class with these days because I think it's an important reminder and it's simply may you be led not by fear but by love and by joy and I think that the more we can each embody that energy. Um, that energy of love and faith and trust um, not only in a higher power but in ourselves and in our community um, we're gonna be all right
1: <laughs> nice so what a, what a beautiful way to wrap up and and I just encourage all you all listening out there to you know, stop in, say hello. Um, you can find, you know, Hannah at the studio just about every day, yeah. up to something. Here <laughs> most <laughs> <is. laughs> <laughs> uh, She teaches, you know, her three regular, and then she's always very liberal about jumping in and subbing for other folks. So I hope you can, if you're local, pop in and uh, say hello. And then look forward to, you know, our events coming up. Uh, you can... FindCityYoga.biz is our website, is with the events tab that's got all these fun things Hannah has been sharing about, and much, much more. And do if you um, enjoy the podcast, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a review, subscribe, and that always helps us um, to broaden our audience, so we can keep bringing these amazing conversations with incredible people that are sharing how the mindfulness and yoga and related practices have uh, impacted them and their lives and created transformation and communities and individuals far and wide. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much, Hannah thank for taking you. the time.
0: I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> have an awesome day.
0: Thank you for listening to the yoga voice brought to you by city yoga school of yoga and health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A.biz.
1: Special thanks to our producer Brian Sims for his audio expertise.